So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, renew wine out of me. Jesus, bring All right, if I can just... Um, if I can invite us to take our places, please. Good afternoon. It's kind of nice just, um, you know, watching all the conversation and the fellowship going on. And... Um, Kind of waiting for it to just die down. Oops, no, this is not. Sorry, council. It's supposed to be 35 minutes. All right, good afternoon once again. And, um, I'd like to welcome everyone here present this afternoon as we uh, take a careful look at something which I pray and trust will be of benefit to us as we look at our walk as believers in Christ. 
Um, in introducing what we're looking at today, I mean, I'm sure we all agree that life begins at conception. Whether humanly or spiritually speaking. Um, I mean, we all may be very familiar with how God conceives human life and familiar with conception, birth, seeing the level of development and education there is about that. I mean, and the common sense there is about that. And, I mean, it easily brings us joy to have babies, watch them develop. I mean, just from cuddling and eating and sleeping at one month and becoming more alert as they grow. And then even later on, becoming more, um, becoming more active, enjoying a chase around and, you know, developing personality later on. With spiritual life, I mean, that's so much for human life. With spiritual life, God does several things to bring that life about. You know, God um, indeed uses men to preach the gospel, makes a call upon the lives of men, and um, indeed gives human beings the ability even to receive the gospel, bringing that life about when we come to repent, accept the gospel that we, that we have heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the fact that there is... Okay, I need to get used to the new setup. I remember that now. <laughs> the gospel that tells us that all, all men have sinned and the penalty of sin or failing to measure up to God's moral law is death. And the gospel that, indeed, Jesus Christ pays the penalty, pays that penalty of death for us. You know, God enables us to receive that. He enables us to acknowledge that, to receive it, and to actually turn trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Um, right at that time as well, God indeed adopts us into his family as his own and makes us accepted, justified, forgives us as though we had actually, um, not, not by any merit of our own, but as though we had never indeed offended because we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. God is the one who justifies there. Um, we come today, even as we consider um, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, something that could be a concern for us. I've just made an introduction telling us about human life and spiritual life. Are there any in-betweens? Is there any place for us to just be either spiritual entirely? Do we become spiritual men, mature, all grown up as soon as we come to Christ? Or are we just natural men, people who will not accept the gospel, not receive it? Well, Paul helps to address this even as we continue in um, this letter of Paul to the Corinthians today. So... Before we um, go into that, let's just read the text for today. We'll pray and then um, look at what Paul's helping us to see and understand as believers. Please turn with me to um, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, and look at chapter 3. We're just reading the first four verses there. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 4. I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard Bible. 
And he reads, or he writes, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able, you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshy. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we're amazed. <laughs> we're amazed indeed at, at your wonders. You're the giver of life. In your grace, giving life to us all, humanly speaking, and enabling it for those who love you as well as for those who don't. You're merciful indeed. Truly, you are merciful. When I think about it, you're merciful, Lord. Lord, we pray then, let us into the life that you have prepared for those who love you today. We have done nothing to warrant this life that you bring us into in Christ. It's just amazing, Lord, to stand freely before you, not trusting in anything that we have done. God, that's awesome that we can stand in your presence. I mean, it's, it's tough enough sometimes for us to stand in the presence of great men, not feeling worthy to be in their presence. Talk less of being your presence because of your grace. Lord, we stand freely in your presence today. Please, Lord, light the way for us, even as we open your word and go into it. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we continue in um, the letter of Paul. We're reading through the letter and, and looking at it. And we see here, uh, Paul, at this point in his letter, is addressing the church in Corinth. And before this time, last week, Pastor Rich was talking about um, the difference between people who are spiritual readily receiving the word of God, readily appraising and assessing the things that God has spoken. And those who were natural men, who, to whom the gospel, you're talking about all flesh having sinned and the penalty of sin is death. And you're telling me some guy died to pay the penalty for sin. That's just nonsense as far as natural man is concerned. Thinking about it, if you reflect for those who are in Christ, you would find, you would, if, you, if you could reflect and think back to a time when you first heard the gospel ever, I'm not talking of when you came to Christ. Anybody talk to you about the gospel and begin to preach, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should, should not perish but have everlasting life. How arrogant did you think that person was who was speaking to you? How foolish do you think they were? What motivation do you think they came at you with this message? Did it seem like, boy, does this guy think I'm stupid or something? The natural man would respond that way to the things of God. Natural man would think that way about God's message. But Paul makes the distinct distinction that there's these two kinds of people. But here, continuing his letter, he begins to speak to the church. These believers saying, I could not address you as spiritual what are you saying, Paul? Are you saying we're not believers? What are you talking about? Are you saying 
we haven't got the life of God in us anymore? Are you saying we never received the gospel? I mean, we may experience those kinds of questions or challenges in our lives at some point. Where maybe experiencing struggles personally, experiencing struggles in the flesh, we'll come to that. And Paul actually addresses that. But where we have questions and wonder, am I really a believer? Is this what Paul's talking about here? But as we look at the passage um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I could not address you as spiritual. He's talking in the past. Remember, he's still talking about when he came to visit. In, in the last time I stood up here, I introduced us to, um, we, we got to the second chapter of this letter, and he says, when I came to you. He's talking about the past when he came to visit them. He could not then address them as spiritual because um, they were babes. He could not address them as spiritual men because they were, but he, he addressed them as men of flesh. And then he introduces another word as babes, as infants in Christ. Now, Look at three people then that Paul is talking about. He's already identified the spiritual, those who can receive the things of God. The natural, those to whom the things of God would seem like foolishness. But then here, he identifies babes as well. These are people who are fleshly and babes in Christ. So who are these people? What is it about them? What is it about them? Um, first thing that we can see in, in, in the passage, Paul addresses them as children. For these people, there were signs of spiritual life. They've come to accept the gospel. Previously, um, when Pastor Rob introduced this, this, uh, this letter to us, he gave us an account in Acts chapter 18 of several people of Paul's time in Corinth. There were people there who had heard the gospel and who came to Christ. So these people couldn't receive the things of God without God actually giving them the ability to do so. There were signs of life. In other words, Paul preached about Christ and they believed. So... Babes as they were, still there were signs of spiritual life. They had believed in Jesus Christ. They had taken hold of the gospel. And they had turned to Christ. Um, but Paul says that God had brought these people into relationship with Christ. So though they were babes, though he can't address them as spiritual, they are people who are in Christ. So... We may experience times where at times it's difficult to appreciate or receive the things of God. Does that mean we're not a believer anymore? Does that mean we're not spiritual anymore? Something happens to us when we come to Christ. We don't get to be mature straight away. And this is what Paul is identifying. So if that's um, if you've ever been in a place where we come to Christ and um, find ourselves addressed as children in Christ for reason of and for reasons we will see in a, in a minute, uh, it doesn't mean that we're not believers at all. But the fact that we're in Christ, the fact that God justifies us, the fact that God receives us and brings us to Christ. It's not, of any, it's not anything of our merit, not because we've achieved some kind of spiritual maturity instantly, but God more or less declares us not guilty in his presence. God declares us righteous in his presence for when we turn to believe in Christ. Does that mean we're perfect? Does that mean we're perfect even in our moral nature? 
Does that mean the moment we come to Christ, we, and we always use this example, somebody drives us really nasty on the road, that there wouldn't be anything rising up within us to give them a piece of how we feel? We're not perfect yet in our moral nature. We've just been accepted. We've just been given a not guilty verdict by God. That's what's happened. We're still babes and not yet mature in Christ. Now, Paul also says of these, these um, people who are babes in Christ that they are fleshly. Look at it with me. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 3. That they are fleshly. This is something else that he says about them. That they are fleshly. What does this mean? It just means that first of all, as soon as we come to Christ, we may have received the gospel. God's made it possible for us to turn to, to faith in Jesus Christ. But it means that it isn't straight away that you get a deep spiritual walk with God straight after you come to Christ. It isn't straight away. It isn't always the case that straight away you go like real deep I'm, I'm in the word I'm all the time busy with God in prayer one in fellowship and hanging out with God 24 7 as soon as I come to Christ it isn't the case all the time in scripture we see some exceptions Paul being one such exception but it is different for different folks. Again, um, in, in thinking about how to, to, to put this point across, it took time to look at what actually happens when God brings people to Christ. And one of those things that happens is that, and I've mentioned this already, is that God makes us right with Christ or right before him for accepting the testimony that he gives about Jesus Christ. The best thing I could use to describe that, and I think I've said this already, is that imagine you go into a court, a courtroom, and you know the person standing in the dock, the accused, is a prolific criminal. You know that this guy can be a danger to society. Yet, in court, he relies on someone else paying the penalty that's due to him for whatever crimes he's committed. And the judge looks at this guy. You acknowledge that what you've done is wrong. You've, you've acknowledged your, your crime, your offense is heinous, it's, it's, it's deserving of death. But rather than make an argument for yourself, you turn to this one who is ready to pay the penalty for you. You turn to this one who will pay the penalty for you. And guess what the judge does? The judge lets that criminal off not guilty. You'd be like, what? That guy's a criminal. That guy's dangerous to society. That guy will do people harm. Note, all that's happened at that point is the judge just gives a not guilty verdict. Same goes for us. Trusting in Christ. We know sin is wrong. We know by ourselves we can't live up to God's moral standard, to God's moral law. But we look to Christ, acknowledging how horrible, how horribly we fail at measuring up when it comes to God's standard. 
and we turn to Christ and look to him for hope. Look to him for forgiveness. Look to him as the one who measures up and depend on him so that we can stand right before God. And God passes a not guilty verdict on us. Tell me something. After you walk free from that courtroom, would it be natural to you, would it be natural to me just to live up to God's standards straight away? That would be difficult. That would be hard. The fact that we've been justified, the fact that we've been set free, doesn't mean we're perfect. And what that brings for us is definitely... Um, Move away from the mic, uh, from the speaker. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So, what happens here is this. We will have, having been justified, having been set free, we will have struggles with our human nature. We will have struggles. We will, we, will, we, will, we, will, we will have the tendency still to deal with things the way we're used to dealing with them, humanly speaking. If you chat to me, I'll chat back to you if you're the argumentative type. If you were engaged in sin, holding on to, for example, taking delight in whatever it is, addictions, Immorality, sexual addictions, stealing, crime of any kind, or even attitudes of any kinds that were not in keeping with God's law. I want to hate on anyone who's not standing with me, you know. I want to scheme and form all kinds of alliances just to get my way. If we tended that way before we came to Christ... We'll f we may find those things still just there, raising their heads above the parapet to take shots at us. Just to help us see that, hey, look, this battle ain't over. You may have submitted your self to God. You may have made a public proclamation. You may have declared that you are now a believer in Jesus Christ. But guess what? Right within us, there's the battle continues. And in there, we find ourselves fighting. We find ourselves at war. The kind of thing that Paul describes when he talks in Romans about, you know, wanting to do what he knows to be right, but finding, himself, finding in himself another law at work in his members, which challenge him from doing what he knows is right to do. This is spiritual warfare going on, even within us. Christ has won the war, but the battles still rage. So, babes in Christ, cold fleshly, yeah. But, you see, the good thing here is this. Paul is not putting this out here just to shame these guys and... Um, let them know how bad they are. But wants them to see, guys, you're in a war. You're in a battle. You're in warfare here. You've got some fighting to do. Even though you have been called already to be in Christ. Even though you have been accepted in the beloved. Even though you are justified by God. Even though you are saved. There's some fighting to do. And... Um, we find a lot of encouragement in Scripture, even by the same guy talking to us to um, put to death those things that war against us, even in our flesh. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of the time. 
But I'll just give you some something to look at. If you want, if you want to look into that some more, in Galatians chapter five, you'll find plenty of reference to the kind of things that would war against us, even in our members. Um, something more about these uh, babes. Let's have a look again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says that he gave them milk to drink and not solid food. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. He gave them milk to, 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 he fed them with milk and not solid food. Well, Humanly speaking, I think we can get that. I mean, there's a few new babies in the house, and all they drink is milk. They can't handle anything solid. I mean, I don't think anyone just had a new baby, got home and thought, what's in the fridge? Give the baby some as well. <laughs> they can't handle that. Um, and they're not ready to handle it. But... Notice that notice that um, for these, Paul is looking at what these Corinthians lack, what they still lack that makes them unable to digest solid food. And what's the problem? What is the issue that's keeping these guys from um, handling this solid food? If, if we go back to the, to, to the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. And indeed, even now you're not able, you're still fleshly. What's the reason? Look at verse 3. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Remember in the beginning, those who were, those who were spiritual, the distinctions he made, spiritual people, they could receive the things of God easily. They could receive them. They could easily appraise things that, 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 that had to do with um, the gospel that had to do with what God has given them freely, but the fleshly could not. And here, Paul is highlighting something that's getting in the way. There is jealousy. There is strife among you. Are you not fleshly? So that Paul could only just give the very basics. Milk. Just milk. Not solid food. Just think about it. Beyond the gospel of Christ, there is so much more that God actually has available and makes available to believers in Christ. Just imagine the God who pays so much of a price, the highest price for our souls. When it comes to loving and demonstrating how much you love, you will spend readily, willingly on the one you love, right? Well, God brings out his son and pays the price for our souls. That's just the beginning. How much more does God have in store for us as believers? That's just paying the price tag for us, for our souls, giving the life of his son for our sakes. How much more does God have in store? The word of God says that I has not heard. Ear, I has not seen, rather. Ear has not heard. <laughs> and it, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And yet, these guys are struggling to hear 
There's, there's so much more to be told. But here is pride. Here's contest and jealousy getting in the way of receiving even the things that God has in store for these believers. Because they're all, you know, rooting for their favorite teachers. I love Apollos. I love Paul. I know, Cephas, he's, he's, he's the brother I reckon with. These things are getting in the way of even the greater things to come that God has in store for his people. So, he feeds with milk. What's the concern? Guys, do you still get this gospel? Do you get the fact that we all stand before God? Apollos, Paul, Cephas, these guys all stand before you as servants of God, not for anything they have done. Not for the excellence of Apollos' teaching. Not for um, Peter's, the fact that he walked with Jesus, you know, right side by side. The one who had the guts to even challenge Jesus. No, you will not be crucified that way. Or even Paul. His pedigree as a, as a Jew. Boy, heavy. But none of those things count. All these guys were just brought into Christ like you. Free. No merit. Nothing of that stuff counts. Yet you guys are all trying to count like these guys have scored points and before God. This is getting in the way. It is getting in the way. And bring these guys to the point where, look, I just need to come get you to understand. First of all, we're all sinners. First of all, none of us merits anything before God. The only person by whose right, by whose standing we stand at all before God, by whose, by whose work we are accepted in God's presence is Jesus Christ. No wonder Paul says earlier on that when he got to the, when he got to the church in Corinth, all he was concerned about and wanted to focus on preaching to these guys was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Understand that. That's the basis by which we all can be here. Nothing that any of us have brought. Nothing at all. So, what's solid food then? A lot more. <laughs> A lot more that God has to offer, that God has to share, that God has to tell us, that God has to bring to us. But for time's sake, let me move on. One more thing about these guys, about these babes. Look, Paul says, For when one says, I'm of Paul and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere men? But even going back to the um, second verse, For you were not yet able to receive it, indeed, even now. You're not yet able. Boy, is that a good place to be? Paul's writing to the church he spent time with. Probably years before sending this letter. He spent a good time with them. He spent at least a year and a half, maybe two, in their presence. Preached the gospel. People believed, came, had good time of solid teaching with these guys. And he's gone away and looked back and they're still arguing over these. Who's the best teacher? Who's the best pastor? Who's the best preacher? And so on. Boy, that's a dangerous place to be. I don't think any parent will find it comfortable if, you know, as we do, and I mean, in this country, you can, I mean, I remember back in the day of the boys, we had these baby books, and you go to the health visitor, you want them to register, to record the child's development in the 
90th percentile and you want to show that the child is developing and growing as they should. Paul's expressing concern. Guys, this development, this growth is not happening. It's not happening spiritually. What does Paul do? What does Paul do? Does he shite them and say, guys, you know what? Just pack it in. You really are natural men. You're not believers. You had, you know, two years to prove your, your, your faith as Christians. Just allow it. You, you tried, but it's not working. We're going to recruit a new set of believers. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. In fact, he's patient with them. He's patient with them. So, in concluding, let's note a few things, all right? In our life as believers, although we come to Christ as, as we, come to, we come to Christ entirely based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we don't come to, to God because we're good, we're not accepted because of any merit on our part. We're not accepted because of anything about us. But it's all about Jesus. Um, we can easily, we can easily forget that indeed, though we are justified, though we are accepted into God, into Christ... There is a battle going on spiritually. The flesh will always, the, the natural man will always contend and, and, and battle to hold ground in our lives. So, so much so that our spiritual life suffers, easily suffers, is easily neglected. And we want to be careful not to take. We want to be careful to take care not to drift, and just you know find ourselves floating with all the currents that the world brings. The world would tell us, "Look, life is all about fun. It's all about luxury. It's about live the best life now. Don't worry about getting spiritual. Don't worry about setting yourself aside for God. Don't worry about being concerned about the things of God. Just leave that for Sunday alone." Let's take care not to drift in our life as Christians because the world will always carry us wherever the world just chooses or feels like going at any point in time. Another thing, for those of us who may be involved, and, and I think it's, that's easily every one of us, who may be involved in nurturing the spiritual life of others and even hoping for the spiritual life of others, um, I mean, I've got three children or three young men. <laughs> you know what? We can easily take it that, um, you know, the life that we have in Christ is something that just comes naturally. It doesn't. It's a life that God gives. It's quite different from their human existence. We have children, but because we bring them to church doesn't mean automatically they're Christians. Let's pray for them as well. Pray for them that, you know, God indeed extends His grace. God indeed gives them new life, the spiritual life that God Himself brings. You know, Jesus said that, This is what it is like with those who are born again. You know, he said, it's like you see, you look outside, you can see that, that it's windy, but you can't quite see where the wind's blowing from. You know, so it is with they who are born of the Spirit. God actually makes this happen. God makes this happen. How he does it, that's God's doing. But pray that it happens. And likewise, in the, in the lives of those who 
um, we know have come to Christ who may be struggling to receive the things of God, who may be struggling spiritually for whatever reason, maybe dealing with issues in the past, maybe dealing with past habits, past addictions, past circumstances, past whatever the issues are. Let's take care like Paul. He sees these guys are babes. He doesn't address them as spiritual men. He doesn't tell them, look, man up. He doesn't tell them you're worthless at the same time. But he thinks about what is appropriate for them to hear at that time, at that point where they are in their lives. So come alongside someone. They need to spend time in prayer. Do they need someone to teach them how to pray? Teach them how to look to God? Trust in his word. Whatever the thing is, whatever the, uh, the, the, the food is that they need to grow, come alongside and offer that. And then take care as well, you know, so that we don't continue in a state of spiritual immaturity. Paul's con- he expressed those con- that concern for these believers. Will we resort to um, will we resort to natural ways or natural methods of dealing with spiritual things? Think about this. Excuse me. It's really hot in here. Hmm? Unless it's just me. Maybe. Maybe, maybe nervous. <laughs> My throat is really dry, drying up. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's um, take care not to, to, to treat, rather, um, uh, continuing immaturity as unimportant. Continuing immaturity, that's what I meant to say, as unimportant. Because what that could mean is that if it's always the case that, okay, look, man, I I, I don't want to come to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do this or that as long as it has anything to do with God or Christ. Is there something missing? Could it be that actually there's never really been some spiritual life there? Could it be that, boy, um, okay, we've come to church together, but there isn't really any life at all spiritually. And then um, for those who are who've never really accepted the gospel. For those who've heard it preached that, you know, all have, I I like to, I want to say sinned, quoting the passage, but give it some meaning and definition. In terms of measuring up with God's law, nobody measures up. For that, the penalty is being eternally separated from God. It's death. But you see, there is, a, there is someone who comes to redeem us from that, from that definite predicament. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross to pay for that shortcoming, for that shortfall. Will we turn to him? Will we trust in him so that we may actually have eternal life that God promises? Will we recognize that we miss it as far as God's law is concerned and turn to Jesus Christ? I make that invitation to you today. I know um, 
as I, as, I, as I close, I know that there is so much more that we can say even regarding this. But at this time, let me ask us to just bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we can call you Father because of what you have done. We can call you Father, Lord, not because of anything about ourselves, but because of what you have done. Thank you for bringing us into Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, even for accepting us in the beloved. Thank you for adding us to your family. Thank you for giving us a right standing with you. Lord, even as we walk in this relationship with you, we, we recognize and see that, ah, we have battles within us. We have struggles in ourselves, Lord. Even the flesh rising up against that you have, that life that you have brought us, that you have created in us, the new creature. Lord, so help us now. Help us to see where we are at. Help us, Lord God, to understand your call upon our lives. Help us, Lord, not to wallow even in just being immature spiritually. And help us, Lord God, even as we help those who walk with you. Lord, I pray again. Um, let the light of your word the light of your presence shine. And if we're making these um, distinctions, Lord, even for the spiritual man, the natural man, and us babes in Christ, and bring us to that place where we're all mature, bring us to that place where we're all men in Christ, regardless of where we are right now, we pray this and ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.